0: Hello, and welcome back to the Corruption of and podcast, episode 11. Today, we're going to be venturing back into pop music to review the debut studio album, It's About Time, by the Jonas Brothers, released August 8th, 2006, on Columbia Records. The Jonas Brothers were a pop group in the 2000s split up a little bit in the 2010s, and then came back later in the 2010s for more great music. They were a show duo on Disney Channel when I was growing up. They were another one of those musical acts, kind of like how Hannah Montana was on Disney Channel and then became Miley Cyrus later on, but I watched the Jonas Brothers as a kid, and I really enjoyed it on Disney, so today we're going to be taking a trip down Nostalgia Lane I mean, or Memory Lane, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to be taking a trip down Memory Lane for myself to review an album from my childhood. It's About Time by the Jonas Brothers. Let's get right into it. Oh my god! So, when I was a kid, I used to listen to this album, and I did not realize (laughs) that the opening track, What I Go to School For, was about this. (laughs) And what is this? Well... Let me read some lyrics to you. They are very cringe, by the way, of um, cringe warning. You're probably going to cringe and squirm when I read these out. So for anybody sensitive to weird thing, like weird topics, uh, just be warned there. Her voice echoed in my mind. I count the days until she is mine. Okay, so it starts out pretty harmless. Obviously, singing about a girl that you are really interested in and you really want, and you really want her to be your girl, you know. It's, uh, it starts out pretty harmless and normal. But oh, you wait. Let me just read you the next line. I can't tell my friends because they all laugh. I love a member of the staff. Uh, So the title of the song again, it's what I go to school for. So seems like this song is turning out to be a song about a student with a crush on a staff member at school. But let's not misjudge, let's keep reading. And I fight my way to the front of class. To get the best view of her ass. (laughs) What? What? (laughs) I'm sorry, I can't get over that line. I fight my way to the front of class to get the best view of her ass. I (laughs) I can't with this one. I can't with this. Just reading this, okay, just think about it. I was an innocent child listening to this album. Think about it. You're an innocent kid. The year's like 2006, and your innocent little brain's like, the Jonas Brothers is kid-friendly music. And, you know, a lot of parents were buying their kids Jonas Brothers records, not realizing that there's literally a song on this record about staring at your teacher's ass. Uh, all right. (laughs) Apparently that's what we were... That's apparently what 2000s kids were listening to. (laughs) I I mean, I know kids don't read into the lyrics, but as an adult here, like as an adult, coming from an adult's perspective, I'm just like, this is what my parents had me listening to? Jeez. (laughs) Man, what were my parents thinking? Did they just not read into the lyrics? They just thought, it's Disney, so... For kids. (laughs) Seems like that's what a lot of parents think. Disney means it's for kids. No. (laughs) And you know. Again. I, uh, I had a crush on a teacher's assistant once. I'll admit that. However. I wasn't thinking immaturely like this. I wasn't going around staring at the teacher assistant's ass, right? And, you know, like, the only reason was because she was around my age because this was, like, a summer school program. So, like, this was, like, summer school-ish. And it was, like, my summer school senior, like, senior year summer school. I did, like, just some, like, like, before – because I can stay in high school till I'm 22, basically, because of my disability. But, like, I was there, right, for summer school before the main school term started up again. And the thing is, it was, like – We had this assistant who was my, I'm 18, by the way, and so was she, but she technically had a teacher's assistant position. Like, she was literally paid to work at the school, right? But the thing is, I wasn't there staring at her ass. This looks like lyrics written by, like, a 12-year-old. Like, this literally looks like 12-year-old, maybe even, like, 10-year-old writing. It's so cringe, and I love it. Like, that's the thing. I love this song, but I love it for all the wrong reasons. (laughs) I don't love it because it's the Jonas Brothers, but because of just how cringe it is listening to this song, it just brightens up my day. I can sit there and laugh at it. And that's really the only reason that I love this is because I like to laugh at it. And I like, why wouldn't you laugh at it? I mean, read the lyrics for yourself. Of course you're gonna fucking laugh. (laughs) It's the most cringe thing I've ever read in my life. And I thought some of the lyrics on the five seconds of summer record were weird. I mean, remember when I read you the lyrics to the song 18, like, I thought that the lyrics to 18 by five seconds of summer were weird. <laughs> These are on a, a whole nother level here. I don't even know what to make of this actually. I can't tell if I love this for how cringe it is or if I should hate it for how cringe it is. I mean, it's clearly weird. Like, should I hate this? I just can't bring myself to hate it. There's just something endearing about this feeling like a song about from child innocence. Like, obviously, when you're a kid and you have a crush on someone older than you, you're probably going to be like, ah, nice ass, right? Like, you're a kid, but like, just this is, as an adult, I'm just like, this is cringe and I can't, help it like I can't help but laugh mainly because maybe that's just because I have a nephew and I know that if my nephew said something like this about a girl like ah like because like my nephew's like nine it's so, like if my nine-year-old nephew was like I saw a girl with a nice ass I'm gonna fucking laugh because it's child innocence right and my kid doesn't realize exactly what he's saying so of course I'm gonna laugh my ass off so like I guess that this is just the uncle in me that finds this hilariously endearing. Um, I I don't know what to make of it, though. But I'm gonna go with it's hilariously endearing. I actually do listen to this song on occasion when I'm depressed. If I just need a good laugh, this is what I'll put on. I'll put on this. Because it's perfect for lightening your mood. I promise you. If you want your mood to enlighten, this is perfect. Oh, my God. Great start to a Jonas Brothers album, that's for sure. A song about your teacher's ass. What a great start. <laughs> this is the, this is how you start off your career, everybody. Singing about your teacher's ass. That's how you start your career. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely eye-opening. I can tell you that. It'll definitely make a lasting impression. Either if that impression is that they think you're weird or if you're funny is up to you i mean some people probably find this start to their this is either you're either going to find this a very weird start to a career or a funny start i think it's funny (laughs) but i can see how some people would think this is freaking weird and in some ways i do think it is weird but the hilarious endearingness overrides my feelings of finding it weird so i can definitely enjoy this Okay, before we get into the next song, I'm just going to read a little bit more of this. It says, okay, I drop a pencil on the floor, and she bends over and shows me more? What? Okay, so apparently this kid's purposefully dropping things so that the teacher will bend over and pick them up. Okay, then. I mean, I will say sometimes when I was a kid and a girl would, like, bend over to pick something up, I can kind of see where this kid... Like, Well, I guess the Jonas Brothers were teenagers at the time, so I guess I could count these lyrics as valid. Um, So I'm not really going to hold it against them. I mean, they were teenagers when they wrote this, so of course they're going to write freaking cringe. I mean, their lyrics get a little more adult when they get older. I've noticed that with later records. But this, this, man, (laughs) this shows, like where the Jonas Brothers were when they wrote this. This is like a time machine to the young Jonas Brothers because, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Jonas Brothers are the ones who wrote this because from what I remember, you know, when the Jonas Brothers were on, they were, like, teenagers, maybe even younger than that. So, of course, they're going to write music about this. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's funny, like I said, and I could totally see, like, a young Nick Jonas just, like, bending over. To get a view of the teacher's ass, I can totally see that. And I can see people. I I know people at my school that did that. I'd be lying if I said I didn't do that as a kid, because we definitely had some good-looking teachers when I was in um, middle school, high school, or whatever. You know, and I would. I don't think I ever necessarily dropped stuff on purpose to make to like get a view, but I knew students that would like drop stuff and the teacher would bend over and pick it up. And sometimes I would look and just go, ah, that's nice. You know, like just stare at that. And you know, it's because you're a kid. Nowadays, I know that's very disrespectful to women to just stare at their ass when they bend over. So I don't do that, but like, cause it's disrespectful, but like, you know, as a kid, you're just like, eh, nice. And now as an adult, um, you know, if I'm interested in a girl and I'm attracted to a woman, I just do this thing. It's called talking. I go up to the girl and I talk to her and get to know her. I can tell you, I can promise you a much better approach than staring at her, by the way. Girls find it creepy if you just stare at them. So anybody who does that, like, stop. It creeps them out, mate. <laughs> like, just go up and, you know, strike up a conversation, all right? Anyway, I think that's enough lyric. I think that's enough silly lyrics for me. (laughs) Let's move into the next one. This song's great. I already know that when we get to the end of the album, I'm gonna state this song as a highlight, (laughs) because it is. It's a highlight for all the wrong reasons, but it's a highlight nonetheless. Okay, okay. In all seriousness. The Jonas Brothers actually covered that song. It was a song by Busted, and I read you the lyrics by Busted because I thought it'd be funny. Because I think it's funny that Jonas Brothers even covered a song about being in love with your thirty-three-year-old teacher named Miss Mackenzie, right? Like I just thought, like, okay, I'm gonna treat this as if it were the Jonas, if it were the Jonas Brothers re- recording it with those lyrics, because. The fact that they even, like, recorded a cover of that kind of song when they're marketing towards kids, right? Like, I just think that's quite weird. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to treat it as if it were the original because, you know, that's funny. But, all right, we'll take a more serious note for the rest of, you know, this episode. So let's actually get into the second track now. I just wanted to make that note because I knew somebody would call me out and say, You're talking about the version by Busted, you read the lyrics to the by, to the You're reading the lyrics to the version by Busted, who originally recorded it, and I'm just gonna be like, I know. Because I like to put a little satire in here. And also I just really wanted to go over the song by Busted, because I do think that the song by Busted is weird. But since we're talking about the Jonas Brothers album, I was like I'm going to just kill two birds in one stone. I'm going to go over the busted song, but also go over the Jonas Brothers song because, well, the Jonas Brothers covered it. And in terms of the actual Jonas Brothers version though, like, well, it's fine. It's got, it's got what Jonas Brothers are known for catchy choruses. And obviously I love it. And I still come back to it to also laugh. And the reason I, uh, Treat it as the uh, the Jonas Brothers version, as the busted versions, because every time I listen to the Jonas Brothers, I can't hear the cover without hearing the l- original lyrics. I just can't. It's just like tainted in my memory. Anyways, let's realistically move on to the second track now. Okay, time for me to fly is definitely a million times better in the lyrical department and theme. Right, like in the uh, theme of the song. Now, obviously the last song, uh, What I Go to School For, was quite cringe. And I know, I know, they covered a song, but I can never listen to What I Go to School For, the Jonas Brothers cover, without hearing the lyrics from the original in the background in my mind. So, therefore, to me, personally, it is quite a cringe song and I feel like the Jonas Brothers are still singing those lyrics or that at least they're aware of what the song's about and it just feels cringe to me. And I just like, I still feel like, man, they were marketing a cover of quite a weird song to kids. But Time For Me To Fly is a lot more clean and better suited for the kid audience. Uh, And I think that it's a pretty good song. It's also pretty endearing. As a kid, I remember listening to this record, and the one thing I did not expect is I forgot how high-pitched the Jonas Brothers voices were at this time period. I mean, yes, they were kids, but I just don't remember being this high. But maybe it's because I was a kid myself, and I also had a high voice, so I probably didn't notice. And, you know, I mean, but now, as an adult, and having a deep voice, I'm just like, man the Jonas Brothers' voices back then in 2006 compared to now, and obviously that's expected, you know, puberty and stuff, but still, I'm just like, I feel like it's higher than I remember, it's like they inject, it's like they breathed in helium in the studio or something, that's what it sounds like, but there is something endearing about it, you know, it's got, you know, you can, they have high voices, you can tell it's kids singing, and It just sounds like a bunch of kids having a fun time in that song, you know, singing it. You can tell they're having fun singing it and recording it. And I guess that's what I like about it. It just, it's endearing and it gives, and I I get a warm feeling in my heart listening to this album because I feel like I just hear a bunch of kids having fun. And, you know, I want kids to be happy and live happy lives these days with COVID and all that. And, you know, having to wear masks in school or having to, you know, having so many restrictions. You know, I feel like kids don't get the experience of childhood that I had where you could go out and do anything. And yeah, things are opening back up. Not all schools are requiring masks anymore, but it just, to me, it just feels like the kids in the post-pandemic world are are having it harder than kids pre-COVID, right? Like my generation and stuff. So I just, I like listening to this album and taking, going down memory lane and remembering how happy kids were in the 2000s, right? So that's what's endearing about it. Let's move on to the next track. Next up is the song Year 3000, which is a song about the Jonas Brothers finding someone in their backyard who has the possession of a time machine and is a time traveler from the year 3000 and is telling them about how they're from the year 3000 How their great-great-granddaughter is doing fine, I guess. And then he takes them to the year 3000 where they see, like, a bunch of boy bands and stuff. And, like, Star Wars is real. It's a cool, fun song. Nothing really bad about it. I can't really knock it. It's just a fun song that a kid would find interesting. I know, like, young me found it interesting. I mean, I know as an adult this isn't really, like, my kind of music per se, But if I'm in the mood for it, it is my kind of music because I like to go back for the nostalgia. But on a regular basis, this is more kid music and it wouldn't really be for me, but I enjoy it somewhat. So let's move on to the next track. One Day at a Time is one of those songs that really shows the Jonas Brothers in their infancy of their music career, to be honest. Because in the first verse, he's singing about going home And how he goes home after school, does his homework, then watches some TV, right? And then goes to school the next day, but is late, gets detention. But he takes school and life one day at a time because he still has this one person on his mind. And it's hard for him to take one day at a time sometimes because of this person that's on his mind. But, like, the lyrics about, like, school and stuff really, like, I don't remember it being this childish, I guess is the right word, like, maybe it's because I was a kid when I listened to this stuff, and I'm an adult now, but I just don't remember the lyrics being this childish, and I know they were kids when they recorded it, I just, it just baffles me that the lyrics were this cheesy, I mean, I don't remember it being like this, but it really shows where the Jonas Brothers were at that time, it's because I I listened to the Jonas Brothers today, and the lyrics are a little more adult. I mean, they don't do as, like, childish lyrics anymore. And maybe I just don't listen to this album much. I mean, this was their first album, and they were kids when they recorded it, so maybe it's just, I don't listen to this album much, and I just listen to the newer stuff. That could have something to do with it. But this was quite a childish song that shows the Jonas Brothers in their infancy. Definitely not a song for me. I definitely kind of cringe listening to this one. This album is a little bit of cringy and endearing at the same time. I mean, the opening track, which reminds me of the original song, is quite cringe. And then there's this song. You know, there's just, there's some cringy but endearing things about it because, you know, you can hear that there are kids and they're recording it because of their vocals are so young and high-pitched and they're just having fun and that part's endearing. But like, the lyrics are just kind of cringe. Yet again, I guess if they didn't have childish voices and, they were, and this was an adult recording this music, that would make it a lot more cringe. So I'll give them a pass for being kids, all right? <laughs> let's move on to the next track. Six Minutes is a song about seeing an extremely pretty girl and feeling like you only have a few minutes to ask her out before the world just collapses on you because you feel like your heart's shaking and the, you feel like the earth is shaking in turn. And you feel like you only have a few minutes, right? And, you know, I can kind of relate to that. This is the only Jonas Brothers song that I, on this album, probably, that is kind of relatable to even adult me, really. I didn't think they would have a song that an adult can relate to, but there you go. There's actually, they actually get a point this time. I didn't think that that would happen on this album. I thought it was just a bunch of childish cheese, but... You know, I guess not. I mean, it is. The song is cheesy. But hey, I can be a little bit of a cheesy person at times, which might be why I enjoy this track. Because, you know, when I'm interested in a girl, I do sometimes just have like the cheesiest pickup lines, right? Like when I talk, that might be why I get rejected a lot, because I don't have the most intricate style of asking girls out, right? I'm kind of just straightforward. I'm right to the point, right? Right. Maybe that's my flaw, but at the same time, I just want my intentions to be known. I don't want to just string someone along, right? But, you know, this song kind of just is about desiring that girl and feeling like you only have a few minutes to do it, but feeling like you can't do it. And I can relate to that. I feel like I see a girl and I'm like, oh, man, I really want to ask her out, but I feel like I don't have a chance. And you just keep delaying it, and then you delay it so long that she's gone and then you don't get that chance. Like we had, um we, over the summer, I met this girl who was like, um she was at the summer school program I was at and she was my age. She was 18 like me and I really liked her and I was gonna ask her out at the end of the summer school program because then she wouldn't be a staff member anymore, right? Which, that was the one uncomfortable part. The fact that she was a staff member and I was a student was quite fucking bizarre, because think about it, I was 18, right? And she was 18. I would think of you as a classmate, not a fucking teacher's assistant, right? So it was quite awkward, but I was like, and I, but I was like, she's pretty. She had beautiful, long, blonde hair that went down her back, okay? Like, that's like my type, right? She was beautiful, gorgeous. Um, but I really liked her, and I was going to ask her when the term ended, right? The last day came and gone, and I just never got a chance to ask her. I just kept delaying it out of fear. I'm actually going to see if I can get her email, but I'm hoping that when I email her, she hasn't found anybody yet, because I know she's gone off to college, and I'm like, I hope you haven't met anybody yet, (laughs) because I do really like her, but I doubt she'll like me because of my cheesiness, right? But... Hey, there's a Jonas Brothers song on this album that I can actually relate to, so that's nice. Let's move on to the next track. Mandy is a song about, well, a person named Mandy. Specifically, a quiet girl named Mandy who's into boy bands. Not really my type of song. I mean, it's fine. It's just another song about a girl. I can't, I don't really have any complaints. This time, the cringe levels aren't up that high. Like, it's not really that cringey this time around. It's... Just not my song, right, you know? Some of those are songs that just aren't for everyone, and this is a perfect example of that. Now, if this song was on, would I listen to it? Yeah. I mean, I have this album in my Apple Music library just because I do like the Jonas Brothers. Not every song, but, you know, I do save and collect their albums. So if this song came on, you know, I wouldn't skip it. It's not a skipper, it's just fine. I can get through it. Just not my cup of tea, right? But I will say the one positive about it is that this song does lean more into the rock direction. There's actually a really cool guitar riff that opens up this song, so that's a plus for me because you guys know how much I love rock music. But uh, let's get on to the next track. I would just say I've heard better pop music than this, like Kelly Clarkson and Taylor Swift I view as better. Let's move on. You Don't Know It has a catchy chorus and actually a nice acoustic beat. It's got nice vibes. It's a nice pop song. No complaints, really. The cringe level isn't that high, either. Looks like maybe the second half of this album might not be so cringy. Maybe I'll enjoy the back half a little more than the front half. But I'm not going to count my eggs until they hatch, though. But, you know... This is a nice song. I could come back and listen to this. I Am What I Am is no joke. A great fucking song. There, I said it. There is a masterpiece of a song on this album. I did did not realize that until I listened to it. I thought it was going to be cringe. It's not. Okay, this is great. I Am What I Am is a song about saying what you are and who you are, that you're not going to change yourself and you love who you are, and that if you don't like who I am, then fuck off, basically. Well, they don't say that exactly. They don't say fuck off. But they say if you don't like who I am, then you don't have to like who I am. But I am what I am, and that's fine, you know? Just saying, I am what I am, and I'm not going to change that because I'm proud of who I am, right? And that's a great message, and I I love that. I needed that, too, because I'm very insecure about myself sometimes, so I needed to hear that. It gave me the confidence to go, you know what? You're right. I am what I am, and if nobody wants to accept what I am, they don't need to be in my life. If you don't like who I am, too fucking bad, right? You know? I love that. That's... That's a great message, a great song, because I know that I have some different views than the rest of society. I argue with people a lot. you know. For example, I have this view that if you disrespect me, I'll disrespect you, and everyone else goes, respect your elders, man. You must respect me, because I'm older than you. And I'm like, nah. If you disrespect me, I don't owe you an ounce of respect. I don't owe you a droplet. I don't know you jack shit, right, you know, and I think that that is a, and I think it's a great message for them to say, I am what I am, and that's why I'd say, if somebody says, it's disrespectful that you don't disrespect me because I'm older, I'll go, well, you disrespect me, and guess what, I am what I am, too bad, you know, it's too bad that you can't accept who I am, but, it's hot, but I am what I am, and that's how it is, you know, I think that that's just a great message, so. Props to Jonas Brothers for doing something that is, what I find very important, I think it's very important to accept others in this world, even if you don't agree with somebody's life choices or lifestyle or their methods, well, too bad. They are who they are, unless they're committing a crime. I mean, if there's someone like, if they like murder people or like, you know, break into houses and kill people, I mean, yeah, you won't accept them. I wouldn't say they are who they are, I'd say they're criminals, but if you just do something that's considered a little different, that makes them unique, right? And we should accept them for being unique, not close them off. I mean, there are people who enjoy watching anime, and pe- like, there are these people that enjoy watching, what's a good example? I'm trying to think of something that I think is weird and bizarre, but I accept anyway. Okay, anime porno, right? It's porn made um, of cartoon characters instead of, like, human porn, and do I think that cartoon character porn is a little weird? Yeah, I do think it's a little bit of a bizarre thing to watch. But guess what? I look back, I swallow my pride and I go It is what it is. They are who they are. If they like anime porn, they can like it. It is what it is. They are who they are, right? You know, and <laughs> I think sometimes we just have to accept people for who they are even if they have some Odd hobbies, and you know, just because I think the hobby's odd doesn't mean it's odd. I mean, do I think it's an odd thing to be into? Yeah, but that doesn't mean it is odd. It just means I think it's odd. But that's my opinion. That doesn't mean the opinion of everybody else. You know, and I I can have my opinion, and they can have theirs. And I think that that is very important for everybody to have their own opinion. Because guess look, If everybody had the same opinion, this world would be boring. It's good to have variety in this world and for everybody to think differently. We just have to state our opinions respectfully without yelling at each other and getting in each other's faces. That's what's important. Anyways, sorry about my tangent. Let's get on to the next track. (laughs) I perceive Underdog as this girl who lives next door, right? Like, To be honest, listening to the lyrics at first, I couldn't make out what it was about, so I had to look them up online and... I really had to, like, read through them and analyze them to really make something of them, and I think I finally did. So I believe it's a song about having this neighbor, right? But she screams into her pillow a lot because she might be depressed, and she's depressed because nobody knows her and cares to befriend her and Nobody knows that she exists and she feels closed off from society and she wants to be recognized and her neighbor, which the song was written by Nick Jonas. So Nick Jonas, he wants her to, he wants her to be known. He recognizes her. He knows she exists. He, but he wants the rest of the world to recognize her. Right. And I think that's what this song's about. And, in the, in terms of that, it's a, it's a good song. I mean, no complaints. It's another one of those songs on this album that I'm like, it's all right. It's okay, right? I mean, there's nothing to complain about. I mean, it gets a point for intriguing me and making me want to analyze it, but, like, there's nothing special about it. I mean, I see songs like this all the time. Well, not all the time, but I've seen songs like this before, you know. It has like an emo pop vibe, but I've seen this thing before and done better. I've seen other bands do this kind of trope better before, so it's fine. 705 is another one of those songs that can be described as it's fine. I don't hate it. It has a catchy chorus, though, which I do like about it. You know, if I'm in the mood, I like those songs with just cheesy, catchy choruses it's endearing, it feels lighthearted, and sometimes I just like some kind, lighthearted music after all the dark shit I listen to in metal, right? And as much as I love the dark shit I listen to, sometimes I just like to lighten up the mood with something endearing, and this song does that. But that's all I really have to say about it. Nothing special here. The closing track, Please Be Mine, is a little love song about telling a girl that you'll always be there for her and you'll never disappoint her and you really want to be with her and saying, please be mine, please be with me, right? You know, and it's fine for an album closer, again, no complaints, but that's how a lot of songs on this album are, they're just fine, or they're they're cringy, or they're interesting or exciting, you know? This album's kind of all over the place, which, let me elaborate on that. So, let's get into my closing thoughts. This album is a combination of cringe, endearing, and just okay. Like, it's just all over the place. The cringe songs on this album are what I go to school for and one day at a time for just cringey and cheesy lyrics, um... Then you have some of the endearing songs, which I do enjoy coming back to. The endearing songs are Six Minutes, I Am What I Am, and Time to Fly. I enjoy the endearing vocal vocal performance of Time to Fly. I like the story in six minutes and just how relatable it is. And I love the extremely relatableness to... I am what I am, which I might even recite the next time somebody shoes me out for just being me, you know, right? And then there's just some okay songs, like Please Be Mine and Mandy, you know, they're just kind of okay. Same with Underdog, a song that I've just seen written a thousand times. And then there's the one, like, futuristic song that I really like. Year 3000, which I think is the most unique song on this album for just being, you know, a song about the future. So very unique, and I enjoy it. So I'd say my top three favorite songs from this album are I Am What I Am, Six Minutes, and Year 3000. And then there's that one other enjoyable song. So this album gets a three out of five. It's an album, all right? It's all over the place. (laughs) That's uh, that's my rating. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Corruption of Colton Podcast.